0: Enjoy the message. Easter is not the celebration of Christianity. Easter is the celebration of a specific event, a very important event, an event that even the followers of Jesus were not expecting. What event is Easter the celebration? Easter is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the followers of Jesus, his, his posse, his 12, were not expecting Jesus to come back. How do we know this? Well, we know this because of what they did once Jesus was crucified. Some of them went back fishing. Others were hiding. They were sad. They were disappointed. When the women who first encountered Jesus came and told them about them, they didn't believe them because they were not expecting Jesus to rise from the dead but thank God that Jesus rose from the dead and here's why here's why okay here's why this is so important because there was there were many and there has been many people who have claimed to be the Messiah who have claimed to be the chosen one who have claimed to be the one sent from God but only Jesus and Jesus alone has been the only one that has died and resurrected every other fake is in a grave but our Jesus is not in a grave he is not in a tomb he is alive and he sits at the right hand of the father and he intercedes for you and he knows your name and he loves And that is why Easter is such a big deal. Because Easter, see, see, here's the thing. Friday, Friday was kind of a sad day because Jesus died. And while we are grateful he, he died because he paid for our sins, Sunday is even more important because Sunday means that not only he overcame debt, but here's why resurrection matters for you. He also overcame debt for you. So that you could come alive. So that you could experience life. In your outline, 2 Corinthians 5.15, this is what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And look at what it says. Read it along with me. It says, he included, say it with me, everyone. Okay, that's everyone. Even if you don't believe in him, he still did it for you. In fact, we know and we, we, we can attest to God's immense love that He doesn't wait till you're interested in Him. He doesn't wait till you believe in Him. He doesn't wait till you get all things right in your life for Him to do something for you. No, no, no. The Bible tells us that He does it for us even when we don't deserve it and even when we are not acknowledging Him. And there's no one in this place that God did not love And he loved every single one of us. And he sent his son. And when his son died, he died for every single one of us. No matter who you are, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what you've done, no one in this place and no one outside this place is out of the reach of Jesus. And he says, let's continue back. He says, he included everyone in his death so that everyone could what? Be included in his life. Here's the awesome part. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. Why did Jesus die and resurrect? And why did he uh, include us, not just in his death, but also in his resurrection? Here's why. Because God has something better for every single one of us. And we are in the middle of a series that we are calling something better. Because there are things that God tells us that are better than other things. And today, as we celebrate resurrection, we want to be reminded that God says that there is a better life available for you and for me. In the early 80s, my dad uh, would migrate to the United States, stay here for a year or so, save some money, go back to Mexico. And he did this so that we could have a good life. But back in 1990, we migrated as a family to the United States. And we did it because we wanted to have a good life. And I think that all of us at one point or another in our lives, we take a risk, we make a move, we make some kind of sacrifice so that we can have a good life. All of us want to have a good life. And listen. The truth is, the truth is that if you live in the United States, you have a good life. Because in comparison to many other countries, we have roof, we have clothes to wear, we have transportation, and we have a lot of things that we take for granted. The majority of you are aware that this Friday, uh, I had to drive my dad down to Mexico. He's, he's on a mission, field trip down there for a while we miss them like crazy. I miss them like crazy. But um, we drove them down there and uh, we, we drove back uh, um, at 3 a.m. in the morning. Got back here at 7 a.m. And I called my dad around 2 p.m. And I said, hey, dad, how are, you, how are you doing? And one of the things that he said to me, he says, I took my first shower with a bucket. And he says, now I get to experience how good life is in the United States. He said, I've never appreciated a shower head as much as I did today. Because we have a good life. A good life is possible here. But there's better news because God says that there's a better life. See, the good life has three effects three negative effects. The first effect of the good life is that it makes you tired. The good life, the good life in the United States is an exhausting life. You work so hard, you grind so, so much, you sacrifice so much to have a good life that by the end of the day, you don't want to do anything else. You get home and you tell your kids and your wives, let me be because I am just tired. I've had a big day and we're always tired, right? Like everybody's always tired. How are you doing? I'm just so tired. Single people are tired. Single moms are tired. Married couples are tired. Rich people are tired. Poor people are tired. Educated people are tired. Uneducated people are tired. Because that is just one of the negative side effects of the good life. That although it is good, it leaves us tired. And you know what tired leads to? What being exhausted leads to? Which is the second negative side effect of the good life. Is that then we feel empty. We feel unfulfilled. And, and, and here's how I can prove this to you. Because we are constantly in need of something new in our life. It's not enough that you got the iPhone X. Now you want the XR. <laughs> because the X is just not cutting it anymore. And, we, and although we have so much... We still feel empty. We still feel a void. And here's what exhaustion and here's what void leads to it leads us to feeling trapped, enslaved. And many Americans, many of you here today, you are enslaved to MasterCard, you are enslaved to your mortgage. You are enslaved to your job. You can't even take a day off because if you do, you won't make rent. You won't make bills. And although the good life is good, God says, I have something better. There's a better life that I offer you. Now, I'm going to tell you what the better life that Jesus offers us looks like. But I got to tell you in advance, the better life that Jesus offers doesn't start from the outside, it starts from within. It has to do with your heart, it has to do with your mind, it has to do with your soul, it has to do with who you are as a person and not so much with your outside. The good life focuses on the outside. When we get to go on vacation, when we get to buy the latest car, when we get to go to expensive restaurants, that's when we kind of feel like, okay, I have a good life, but you can have all those things and have the side effects that I just spoke about, about the good life. So what is this better life that Jesus offers us? Well, let me tell you. But before I do that, I want to tell you this. And if there's something that I would love for you to take this morning is the following. I don't think you are here by mistake. I don't think you are here by coincidence. By the way, last night we had a full house. We are so glad we did two services because we would have not fit in this place if we had done only one service. Okay, so if you're like, where's everybody else? They were here last night. Okay, we had over 200 people in here, so so thank God for that, right? But listen, I believe God brought you here because he has a better life that he wants to offer you. And as good as your life may be, God says, this Easter, I want to remind you that I have something better. So what is that good life that Jesus offers us? Well, let me tell you how much good it is, okay? Uh, let me illustrate it this way. I'm a big Dodger fan. Any Dodger fans? Okay, I thought, I thought you guys were going to get excited about the Dodgers. Okay. Any Giant fans? Okay, good, because we were going to make an altar call for Giant fans. And we weren't going to pray for you. We were going to stone you. No, I'm joking. Back in about 1994, I went to my first Dodger game. And uh, for those of you that don't like baseball or don't like the Dodgers or don't Never been to Dodger Stadium, which is a sin if you haven't done so, okay? Because even God is a Dodger fan, okay? The Bible doesn't say that, but He did tell me that. Um, I hope you know I'm joking, okay? I want you to walk out of here saying, oh, they... but anyways, Dodger Stadium has four levels, okay? Four levels. The first time I went, it was in the third level. It was awesome for me. I'd never been to a Dodger game, never been to a baseball game. And I loved it. I was like, this is awesome. And I fell in love with the Dodgers. And just about every time that we went to the Dodgers, we always sat either at the third level or up there where the pigeons live, where the eagles soar. And the reason we did that was because those tickets were affordable. That were doable for us as a family. And we thought, hey, this is good. This is fun. This is exciting. But about three years ago, a couple of folks from the church got together and they bought me and my wife tickets at the first level. Let me tell you, it's a whole different world. <laughs> it's a whole different team. It's a whole different experience. And it's even better, okay, when you get to sit behind home plate. I was like, well, up there, it's good. Down here, it's better. When you sit down there, the Dodgers never lose. It's just so good. You're like, did they lose? I I didn't even notice if they lose. It was so awesome being down there. And here's what God wants to do. The reason I'm telling you that illustration is because some of you, you're up here with the pigeons and you got a good life. And God says, hey, I want to bring you down here to a better life. I want to bring you down here behind home plate so that you can experience life as I've meant for you to experience. it. So what is this life? What is this life that Jesus offers us like? Well, first, and you can fill this out in your outline. The life that Jesus offers us is better because it's a new life. It is a new life. The life that Jesus offers us is a better life because it is a new life. Look at what Peter says in his letter uh, right there in your outlines. He says, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have been given a brand new life. And we have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And here's an awesome part. And the future starts when? When you get it Right when you fulfilled enough church attendances? No, the future starts now. Now, here's something that many churchgoers, that many followers of Jesus have gotten wrong, okay? They think that when you come to Jesus, that what he does is that he kind of upgrades your life. He kind of Improves your life. Well, I don't cuss as much anymore. You know, I I actually go to church now. Um, I, I'm still that kind of nasty me. I, I I still have some issues, but but I've gotten a little bit better. Listen, Jesus is not interested in upgrading your life. He wants to give you a brand new life. And new doesn't mean upgrade. New means completely different. Let me put it this way: Those of you that are married. Do you want, do you want your wife to improve or do you want your wife to completely change? Don't answer that, especially if you want to have lunch after church, but you get my point, right? Wives, do you want your wife to just improve a little bit or do you want him to be transformed completely? Oh yes, a whole new one, not a different one, just a new one, okay? Now, That's exactly what Jesus does. He gives us a new life. And by the way, we don't come to church to be religious. I don't know why you come to church. The reason I come to church is, well, first of all, I'm the pastor and I got to be here. But before I was the pastor, the reason I came to church was not because I had it all together, but because I didn't. And because I believe that Jesus had made me a new person in that church. And and the reason I read my Bible as well was because I wanted to learn what this new person Jesus said I was, was like. How did this new person think? How did this new person behave? How did this new person respond? And we shouldn't come to church to appease our religious guilt. We should come to church because Jesus has made us a new person and we want to find out what that new person is like. It's not an upgrade. Because see, upgrades are not new. If, if, if you live in a house with an ugly kitchen and roaches and, and somebody comes along and they just kind of paint it and they maybe buy you new, new uh cookingware, they just kind of upgraded your life, your, your kitchen. that's not what Jesus does. What Jesus does is he says, hey, let me take you from this roach-infested kitchen and move you to a new place, to a brand new place with a new kitchen, with new paint, with with a new fridge, with a new stove. Don't settle for an upgrade. The life that Jesus offers us is better because it's brand new. It's different. It is the best that we can have. In golf, in golf, they have a term. I don't play golf, by the way, okay? Don't, don't invite me to play golf. Um, at least not till I'm 55. <laughs> I'm choking. In golf, they have a term called a mulligan. A mulligan is an expression or, or a chance to redo something that you did the first time but went wrong. And you get a redo without being penalized. Let me, let me illustrate that for you. I don't know how to play golf, so don't laugh at my swing, okay? But let's say the purpose of golf is to hit it to the hole, to hit it to the green. That's what it's called, right? Am I right, golf people? Manolo? To the green, right? But if you swing it like Manolo does and it goes to the forest, (laughs) a mulligan is that you get to redo that shot without being penalized for the previous one. Wouldn't it be great if we could have mulligans in life? Hey, could I I get a redo in my marriage? Could I get a redo in my education? Could I get a redo in my health? Could I get a redo in my spiritual life? Let me tell you something. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we get all the mulligans that we need. And here's what you got to know. Jesus is the God of second chances. Because if you mess up and you ask him for a second chance, he'll give it to you. And if you mess up, it's not the third chance. It's still the second chance because when he forgives... He forgets. Other people may be counting how many times you've messed up. But all is Jesus is counting is that you come to him and that you say, I need a redo. I have to start again. And that is exactly what he does for us. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The life that Jesus offers us is better because it's a new life. And second, fill this out in your outlines, is a better life because it is a redeemed life. Would you fill that out in your outlines? It is a redeemed life. If you don't know what the word redeem means, I'll 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 explain it to you. The word redeem comes from the slave market. In those days... Uh, the slaves were sold and bought consistently, and owners would 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 sometimes sell these slaves to other owners. And there were there were owners who were who were so grateful, who who would become so affectionate towards certain slaves that what they would do is that they would set them free. These slaves, their freedom would be bought; they would be set free, and these free slaves were now called the redeemed. And the Bible tells us that Jesus resurrected so that you and I could be free. So that we could live a free life. In fact, 1 Timothy 2, 6 says the following. He says, he gave us his life to purchase freedom for who? Everyone. For everyone. Doesn't matter who you are, you could be free. Look at, look, look at what Romans 7, 6 says. We are free to live a new life in the freedom of God. Here's what this means. Here's why the life Jesus offers you is better. Because it is a life free from guilt. Free from worry. Free from anxiety. Free from hurts. Free from fear. Free to love again. Free to dream again. Free to start again. Free to grow and be all that God wants you to be. Now, let me, let me, let me tell you something. It doesn't mean that you don't deal with sadness. It doesn't mean you don't deal with fear. It doesn't mean you don't deal with difficulties. But here's what it means. It means that those things will not make you their slaves. It means that although you get to experience them because you are human, they will not control you and they will not define your life. I feel very sad. If I could be vulnerable with you, our family is hurting. It's hurting. Yesterday was a really hard day for me because I miss my dad and and there's a lot that I don't understand about the situation, but here's what I do know. Although my heart is sad, I will not be a sad person because eventually Jesus will get me through it. Yesterday, Kim shared with us that yesterday was 30 years 30 years that she has been free. No, she hasn't needed to use. She hasn't needed to go back to that because she has experienced the power that Jesus gives us to be free from whatever can enslave us, from whatever can define us so that we can be all that he meant us to get, to be. And there's way too many people that although we live in a free country, they are not free. And I know what some of you guys are thinking. Well, What do I need to do to be free? Here's the best part. Nothing. Because the freedom that Jesus offers us is free. It's called grace. And you know what grace is? Grace is when you are given something that you don't deserve. And you don't deserve it, but we do need it. And that's why he gives it to us. You know what the difference is from Jesus to every other religion? Every religion in the world requires you to do something to be saved. You either got to go somewhere. You got to visit a place. You got to do enough of these things to be saved. And Jesus says, you want to be free? You want to go to heaven? All you need to do is accept what I have done for you. Accept that I died for you. And accept that I rose from the dead for you. Look at what Romans says. I mean, Hebrews 7.18 says right there in your outlines. It says, the old system was canceled because it didn't work it was weak and useless for saving people it never made anyone really right with God but now we have a far better hope for Christ makes us all acceptable to God I'm gonna burst the bubble of some people you are not good enough to go to heaven Some people say, you know, I'm a good person. I'm going to go to heaven because none of us is good enough. Even the best, the most well-behaved, the most um, uh, uh, perfect person is not good enough in comparison to God. Perfect people don't go to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Who gets to go to heaven? People that have accepted what Jesus has done for them. Forgiven people go to heaven. People that have opened their hearts to Jesus because Jesus is the only way to heaven, to freedom. And the life that Jesus offers you is a new life and it is a life of freedom. And the third thing, the third third reason, the life that Jesus offers us is better is because it's an empowered life. It is an empowered life. Did you know that they did a survey and that eight out of 10 Americans lived a stressed life. Eight out of ten Americans are stressed out about life. There's a lot of you right now that you're thinking about all the things you got to do later on or you got to do tomorrow. And you can enjoy life because you're always stressed. Stressed about things you can't control. Listen, life is hard. But God has not only made a way, God has also given us His Spirit so that we can live a victorious life. The life that God offers you is not a life of defeat. And it is a life of victory. And the only way we can have victory is when we have the spirit of God in our lives. Look at what the prophet Zacharias said right there in your outlines. It says, you will not succeed by your own strength or power. That should be liberating to some of you because you have tried to improve yourself. You have tried to improve a relationship. You have tried to change things in your life and you haven't been able to do them. And here's the reason why. Because you can't. Willpower is not enough. Willpower will only work for so long. And that's exactly what God says. He says, you will not be successful on your own strength. But you can be successful. And look at what he says. He says, but by my spirit says the Lord. You need, I need the spirit of God in our lives. Not just to give us new life. Not just to give us freedom. But also to live in victory. We need the power that is not within us. To be able to live the better life that God offers us. And here, here's the... For me, for me. Here's the greatest news about Easter, okay? This is the verse that motivates me. This is the verse that rattles my life, and I am so encouraged by it. Look at what Romans 8, 1 says right there in your outlines. It says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. you ready for this? Look at what it says. Lives where? In you. The Spirit of God that rose Jesus from the grave And help them to defeat death is the same power, is the same spirit that lives in you, that is available to you, that is available to me. And we don't have to live in defeat if we only accept the better life that Jesus offers. And we learn to live by the power that God makes available to you and me. Whatever you're going through, you can rise, you can resurrect from that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the awesome part. God makes it available to you and to me. So you may be wondering, well, Nestor, how how can I live? How can I receive this better life? Well, the bad news is you can't buy it. You can't win it. You can't earn it. But the good news is that you can receive it this better life that Christ offers us is receiving. The only way you can receive it is by receiving Jesus in your heart because it is not religion. It is not rituals. It is Jesus. It is the person of Jesus that does it. 1 Corinthians 15, says the following. It says, everyone comes alive. Where? In Christ. And look at what Jesus said in John 10, 10. He says, I came so you can have real and eternal life, a better life than you ever dreamed of. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father,